Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. The Christian Girl's Guide to Modern Dating. We are just two single girls trying to help you navigate dating well as Christian women. And we're navigating from Houston. Yes, we are in our hotel room. We'll be back by the time you hear this, but <laughs> that's okay. We're how many hours into our trip? Not even 12. Oh, you're right. So yeah. On the front end of things. I'm sure we'll report on social media. Yes, you will be probably tired of our stories yes. at this point. Seriously. <laughs> so true. Okay, so we are in part two, mm-hmm. if you don't count the introduction, yes. of our series, What's the Point of Dating Anyways? The golden question that we're all wondering. And so last week we talked about marriage. Do you want to recap that for us, Bethany, before we go into... Just to give the high points of like, here's what we talked about. I mean, if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it. Go listen to the We've episode had for a sure. A lot of people come back and be like, oh my gosh, I really like this. This was really, not to like toot around horn, but like, yeah. it was a good kind of dive, deep dive. What am I trying to say? Into why we talk about marriage yeah. being the point of dating and not just saying it kind of passing, in passing. Yeah. Here. I think, honestly, I think last week's episode was my favorite one we've done to date. Really? Yeah. I really think it, and however many episodes we've done, I know we're over a hundred. Yeah. That one was my favorite one. And we talk about, yeah, that marriage is the point of dating and how do you get there? We do a big contrast between the purity culture, courtship culture, and actual dating, I guess you could say, kind of contrast some of those things and really try to drive home the point that you can date in a more traditional dating sense and still honor the Lord and still get to marriage and still have a God honoring marriage. Um, so that's kind of just of what we talked yeah, about. That's great. If, but if you haven't listened, go back and listen. It's a long one. might take you your commute to work and home to actually yes. <laughs> hear all of it, but we really enjoyed the conversation and I think you guys are too. So yeah, that's good. Sure. Yes. So go back and listen to that if you haven't already, but this week we're going to continue the conversation and talk about sanctification as one of the points of dating. Yes. And we're going to kind of talk about that in several aspects. Yes. But before we do, I have the question of the day. Oh, yeah. What is it? Let's not forget about that. Okay, so since we're traveling and Ooh, we're a in a new question? city, if you could go live in any city in the U.S. Okay. And you only had to live there for a year. Oh, like, okay. You could stay longer, but yeah. you wouldn't have to live there forever. Where would you live? Oh, man. Do you want me to go first while you think? Yeah, I do. I would go and live in Nashville. For just a year? Yeah, maybe I might stay longer. Okay. But that's the one place that I have said for years. I'm like, if I were to ever up and move, yeah, that would be the city yeah. that I would go to. If I've always said if I just up and moved somewhere, it'd be like Montana or Illinois or Helena. Iowa or whatever. Yeah. Um, Did you say Illinois? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Some <laughs> random, random place. I, exactly. Um, but if I was actually moving somewhere, I think I would say like San Diego. Ooh. I've heard the weather's fantastic year round. It's a cool place to live. It's big city, but not huge. Beaches Got the West everywhere. Coast. Yeah. Coastal living. So that would probably be mine. I like that. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yep. I will say when I was in Southern California... I went in the dead of summer. There was no humidity. 
And when you're on, I like the, it already. Yes. And when you're <laughs> on the coast, the weather's great. It's like 75 and breezy. Now you go an hour inland, it's like 95. And yeah. Stagnant. <laughs> but on the coast is amazing. And I was like, why can Georgia not be like this? Right. Because you go back. We flew back. And we're all like, we can't breathe. We can't breathe. Because the humidity <laughs> was so thick. I'm like, my hair frizzed as soon as we, like, cross the state line in the yes, air. you're still in the plane. Yes. So, anyway, San Diego, I like that. Yeah, That's I think answer. that would be mine. Okay. So, let's jump in to today's conversation. Okay. Let's start off, as we so love to do with definitions, let's define sanctification. Okay. Just so, we're all on the same page of what we're talking about. So, Bethany looked up the definition of sanctification, and I'm going to take credit for it by reading it. And <laughs> as so many things go so around here, things. I'm totally joking. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, sanctification is the act or process of being made or becoming holy, a.k.a. becoming more like Christ. So, that's kind of the definition yeah. we will be keeping in mind as we use this word yes. throughout the episode. And Bethany actually was just telling me as we were planning for this episode that that she and our friend Krista have actually been studying First Peter mm-hmm. and talking about sanctification. So why don't you kind of break that down a little bit for us? Yeah, as we actually were talking about it just this week in First Peter 1, um, midway through the chapter, maybe towards the end, I think it's verse like 14 or 15, where... Peter is saying, he says, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the lusts of your former ignorance, but to be holy as God is holy, as he who has called you is holy. Be holy in all your conduct. And then it quotes a verse that says, be holy for I am holy. It quotes a verse in Leviticus that says, be holy as I am holy. And we were just talking about how God is holy. He is holiness in its perfection. We are not. We are positionally holy because Christ, his work on the cross covered our sin. So God sees us through Christ's righteousness. But we are not inherently holy as God is. We are sinful and we are fallen. And now we think holy thoughts. We think, you know, progressively more and more holy thoughts. If if we're saved, we are taking holy actions and, you know, that's having a holy attitude. And those things are where the, like the progressive sanctification, it's more and more and more and more as you continue in your walk with Christ. And that's through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But the one thing that really stood out to me as we were going through this is there are several places in Leviticus where it says that God is commanding people to be holy for I am holy. And in all of those places, it's accompanied by, and then do this thing, follow this command, keep this ritual, whatever it is. And the parallel is that holiness equals obedience. And so how do you become more sanctified? How do you become more holy? How do you become more set apart for the Lord? It's by knowing his word, having the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life and following those things to become more and more obedient, more and more holy, more and more sanctified. So that is sanctification in a person's life. At the definition level, we're going to take that and then talk about it from several different viewpoints, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah, and talk about it just specifically in the context of dating. We make, we've made the statement a lot recently, or asked the question, you know, is the guy you're dating pulling you more towards Christ, or is he pulling you away from him? And that is, you know, something that 
if he is pulling you more towards Christ, that is in process going to sanctify you. If not, it's going to have the opposite effect and you're not going to be being obedient like Bethany said and you're not going to be pursuing holiness when you're being pulled from Christ right. by the sky. So right. we're going to kind of talk about what that looks like. There are really two different aspects of like sanctification when it comes to dating, I think. There's the accountability part of it in that there are sin patterns that you may know of in your own life. There are struggles that you have. There are different things that you are aware of that this guy you're dating is in a unique position to hold you accountable because he is becoming more and more close to you, more and more important in your life. And as that goes on, that accountability will look different. I think it needs to be commensurate with the seriousness of your relationship, but accountability is one aid to sanctification in your life. I think you have to be careful in um, putting the burden of your own sanctification on someone else. You cannot do that. The, it's with you, ultimately, but God uses other people as instruments of sanctification in your life. And accountability is one aspect of that. The other ac- aspect is responsibility. And I don't mean, like I just said, he's not responsible for your sanctification, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we see a sin issue in someone else's life, we have a responsibility to lovingly point that out to them. And then as the person who is having that pointed out too, you have a responsibility to take that before the Lord and be in his word and know what he commands and then change that to his requirements. So there's the accountability side of it and the responsibility side of it in that the guy you're dating is going to see that probably a good bit more than other people, you're going to spend a lot of time with him and talk about a lot of things. So he's going to have those opportunities to see those things that maybe you're not aware of. So on the one hand, we're talking about sins that you are well aware of and saying, hey, I need accountability. And on the other side, it's things that maybe you don't know about that he's saying, hey, have you ever thought about this? And I think this goes without saying this is a two-way street. We're just talking about it from our perspective because it's the perspective we have. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's important to point out too that a lot of times this aspect or these two sides of sanctification are more related in conversation to marriage. And that's not always the case. You can experience this type of sanctification when you're dating, even before you're dating. And so that's a good, I'm glad you pointed that out. yeah. Yeah. Talk about that, that being single doesn't lessen your sanctification potential. (laughs) No, not at all. And I feel like we've been unintentionally communicated to that there's this ceiling of sanctification that you hit as a single person. It's like, oh, well, you can get so far, but then you can't really progress to the full level until you're married. And that's just not true. No, And, you know, when you aren't married, just because you don't have a spouse to sanctify, you have other people in your life that can sanctify you. Yeah, and that starts way before you're married. Yeah. Yeah. You're not any less sanctified because you're not married. You don't need to level up to being married. It's not like you you have reached your sanctification potential and you're done. Like, (laughs) we're not saying that. And so as we go through the rest of this episode, hear us when we're talking about sanctification in the context of dating. That is the topic of this episode. So that's what we're going to talk about. 
It doesn't mean that if that's not your situation, you can't be sanctified. Because we're talking about this doesn't mean the other doesn't exist. It just means we're not talking about the other right now. Does that yes. make sense? Yeah, I'm glad you made that distinction. Yeah, so we are going to be talking about a couple of different major things today. Like you talked about being in community. And we're going to talk about why community is such a vital part of your sanctification. Like we said, it's not their responsibility to sanctify you. But God created us to be in community, and so that's a huge part of it, both as in the community you have around you, and then also the community of your relationship with your the guy you're dating, that both of those will hopefully then lead to you experiencing sanctification in marriage one day, building on what we talked about last week, that the point of dating is marriage. So if it's also sanctification, then it would follow that the point of marriage is also sanctification. Yes, I like so, that yeah. bridge you just <laughs> joined. You can the see two. the chart I'm drawing here in the air. <laughs> yes. It would make oh, more sense. The hand waving. <laughs> okay, so then, yeah, let's jump into that. Let's talk about the fact that we are created for community. I mean, that was the only thing that God said was not good about his creation was that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve to be in community with Adam. And there are so many different passages in scripture that talk about community and talk about how we're supposed to treat each other and love each other. And, you know, they're sometimes referred as the one another passages. You know, you have be patient, bearing with one another, instruct one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, spur one another on in love and good deeds. So there's all these different, Mm -hmm. um, Commands, really. Commands, yeah, Yeah. exactly, on how we are to relate to and interact with one another. Yeah, I think it's this picture of, like we said, God created us for community. And then he so graciously spelled out for us throughout scripture, this is what community looks like. And one thing I want you to take from this and to really keep in mind through everything we're about to say, the one, the one, one another that is repeated more than any other. 13, I did a quick count. It was, I think, 13, 14, 15-ish times throughout Scripture is to love one another. So all of these other things are good and they're required and they're commanded. But the one that is far surpassed them all is that God's community loves one another. And we actually had a really cool example of this on our way to Houston, on our way here. We were in the Atlanta airport, and there was a lady, we were sitting eating our Wendy's, and there was a lady at the table behind us, and she was in one of the, like, airport issue wheelchair things. I think she had a broken foot. I didn't quite get I didn't a notice total either, look. yeah. But anyway, it turns out she was there going on a trip, and all of this is because we were eavesdropping. Um, <laughs> but People she was watching there. at the airport, y'all, is the best thing ever. Yeah, she was there with her three daughters, and they were going somewhere, and they were adult daughters. She was probably, like, our parents' age, the lady was. And so she and one of her daughters sit down, and then this guy in a airport uniform comes and sits down, and he has a burrito, and he's like, okay, I'm going I'm to come sit with y'all. And they were like, oh, good, we're so glad. Well, it turns out that this guy is the, was the airport employee who was assigned to push the wheelchair through the airport for this lady. And I didn't realize that's how it worked. Like, they're assigned, you know, they were calling him on the radio, like, hey, where are you? He's like, okay, I'm with my passenger. We're coming. Like, it's a very structured process that I didn't realize. But anyway, they had said, hey, we're about to stop and have lunch. Take a break and come with us. 
and they just sat there and just listening to their, like, the two other daughters came and sat down and just listening to their conversation, they were asking him, like, hey, you know, tell us about your life and what you do for fun and about your kids and, like, all this stuff. And it was such a cool conversation to spy on. Um, <laughs> and so I was sitting there listening. And when Kristen came back from getting her food, I was like, oh, these people behind us. And I kind of explained the situation. She's like, that's so cool. And she said, you know, I bet they're Christians. And she's like, that's one of those things where you just think, oh, that's such a kind thing to do. And I said, yeah, I said, it's the verse that says you will know them by their love for one another. That should be the mark of a Christian, of a Christian community is their love for one another. And that is spelled out over and over and over throughout scripture. That is the overarching theme of what community should look like. And true love for your brother or sister in Christ is to not leave them in their sin. It's not what's easiest and it's not what's funnest, but it's the most loving thing. And what closer community is there than a relationship between two people that could possibly lead to marriage? Like that's where that should be the most profound and the most obvious is in that relationship. I'm totally, I'm just sitting here like nodding along. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so glad she told this story because it wasn't in the notes. Yeah. But that's such a... Great example of that. I'm glad you said that. Not to be an afterthought or anything, but one of the biggest ways of seeing that we were created for community is that we are created in God's image. And God himself is community. In the Trinity, there is community built in because it's three persons in one, which, like I said, not to be an afterthought, but I wanted to just throw that out there too. (laughs) You're absolutely right. And even, I think it's so cool when you read... Genesis and you read the account of creation and God is speaking and he's like, let's make them in our image. Yeah. And it's collective from the very beginning, uh-huh. which I, even Bethany and I were having that conversation on the way to the airport of all the things about our faith that we don't understand as yeah. far as things about heaven and eternity and angels and the Trinity and all of these things that you're trusting in, but your little pea-sized brain did not totally comprehend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were talking about, we were like, you know, I know heaven's going to be more wonderful than we can ever imagine, but we both were kind of like, but the idea of it never ending is a little stressful to my human brain. <laughs> yes, I can't and dwell it, on it. It is. Long. I can't process that. No. And this is another thing. You can't process the Trinity if no. you try to... You can't, in our finite minds, reason it out. It doesn't make sense. Right. But I think, just like you were saying earlier, how cool and how gracious it was that God knew, okay, they're not going to understand perfect community in the way that I exemplify it. So let me break it down for them throughout scripture and give them examples of this is what you do Uh when you're in community. And I think it's so incredible that he... Did that again for our little pea-sized brains because he knew we (laughs) would need it. And, you know, we can list off here all the things that are necessary to have community and find community. But one thing I want to point out more than anything is community is a two-way street. In that, in order to have community, you have to have people around you who know you and who have access to your life. This is not just people that are watching your life or kind of observing Mm. these are people you talk to people you confide in people you feel comfortable opening up to and being vulnerable with because and that's we all know that's what separates our friends from our 
best friends. Yeah. Because you have friends that you go hang out with on weekends and you go do things with. And then you have the friends that you talk to. Mm-hmm. Specifically as girls. Yeah. There is a, There are different levels of here's how much I'll tell you versus I'm going to tell you everything. Yeah. And those are the people that you really describe as your community because not only are you spending time with them and they are seeing you live out your life, but you are making the effort to welcome them into your life and to open up to them. And there's a humility in that. Yeah. Of saying, I don't have it all together and I want to show you that. Yeah. (laughs) And so I know it can be tough. It's not something I excel at myself. So I get it, but it's good and it's right. So do it anyway. Yes. (laughs) Because other people will see blind spots and they'll be able to help hold you accountable in areas that you might not see. Kind of like we were talking about earlier In dating, you have accountability and you have responsibility when it comes to this sanctification process. And you are going to have blind spots. You're going to have things you don't see. And you want people to point those out to you. But they need to, you're going to take that better from someone who knows you. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And you You should take it well from anyone. Yes. But the likelihood of you doing that is much less when you don't know the person. (laughs) Right. And I think the closer you get to someone, the more you're even willing to ask about those things. Yeah. I know I've gone to several of my close friends and been like, am I missing something mm-hmm. here? Or am I doing this right? Am I misstepping? Am I yeah. assuming something I shouldn't assume? And you become more comfortable with welcoming that counsel and that advice because you know they're going to be yeah. truthful and kind yes. to you in their delivery. And that's what you ultimately yeah. want. And that's, so that's kind of community in general. We're talking about friends, we're talking about mentors, we're talking about whoever. So let's now, we've kind of made this progression. We've talked about sanctification, and then we move to, okay, community is a huge way that God brings about your sanctification. And now we're going to say, okay, so then what does community for that purpose look like in a dating relationship? So we kind of have this progression. So let's talk about a couple of different things. The first one we're going to talk about is my soapbox. Um, it's one is. of Bethany's few coined phrases from, <laughs> that have bubbled up from this podcast. Bubbled up. Look at you. You're okay. welcome. So I'm sure most of you guys know, I'm going to tell you, don't date in a bubble. Don't get sucked into this guy being the greatest thing since sliced bread, and he can do no wrong, and he's the just the most wonderful thing ever. I'm sure he's awesome. But he's not perfect. And he's and not so, everything. No. And so you need to have community established you need to have people parents friends mentors small groups whatever that looks like in your current stage of life have that ready so that they can come alongside and say hey let's look at him let's really evaluate let's really you know take a look at this and then they can also say hey You've changed since you started dating him. What, what, what's going on? You know, that comes back to they have that accountability of like, I, we knew you. And if they don't know you, then they're not going to be able to do that. That's why it's important to establish this. And so you just want to have that community there so that you're not dating in this bubble. Because on, And on the flip side too, you think he's awesome and everything's whatever. So there's that element of blindness to it. But I think there's also an element of blindness that... You're going to take everything he says about what you should be and do and this, that, and the other, and just do whatever he says because you want to impress him. 
if it's legitimate, like we talked about that responsibility portion of like, he's pointing out things that really are character issues that might need to change. That's one thing. But just because a guy says, Hey, I want you to do this, or I like this or whatever, you shouldn't change who you are. And if you have that community superimposed on your dating relationship, they are going to pick up on those things probably quicker and more accurately than you do. Yeah, that, I'm glad you said that because I've definitely been tempted to do that as far as, oh, he likes this, so I'm going to be like this, or I'm going to try to fit this mold, yeah. so to speak. And I've had people say, like, hey, you're, you don't have to be a different person. Like he li- If he likes you, yeah. he likes you. And a question we've been getting, I feel like more recently than we have kind of from when we started, is they asked the question, you know, what – if I want to start dating, like, what do I do? We uh-huh. did a couch cast yeah, on this last week. And I think on one hand, you can go the direction of, you know, are you putting yourself out there? Are you adding your circles? Are you X, Y, Z, putting yourself in a position to date? But part of that too is preparing yourself to be in a place where you're in a good, healthy spot in your life to date. And establishing community is one of those really big steps mm-hmm. that I think everybody should do. So if you're listening to this and you're single and you're not dating, this is something that you can either really try to invest in more if yeah. you already have that community, or if you are thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have anybody that yeah. I would be comfortable you know, talking to about this or having them speak into my life, go pursue that. Yeah, and I would go so far as to say if you don't have any sort of community in your life like that, you not dating someone right now may be God's protection for you in that... this is such a vital part, this community, that you need to have that in place more before you date someone. We always think about, okay, what's wrong with me that I'm not dating someone? Well, it may not be something that needs to be addressed in the dating sphere. There may be something on the other side of things that needs to be taken care of, like this. And I think this, I mean, when I say it's my soapbox thing, like, this is a big thing to me, and I really think it's that important that you have that support system and those people in your life, in your community, that can just really interact with your relationship at some level. Yeah, and speaking from experience, I know I'm a girl, so all you girls, I would like to think guys think similarly. That's a very difficult word <laughs> about this, but I find it very attractive when I meet a guy who has a solid godly group Uh of friends and who has mentors that he's meeting with and who is really making a point to surround himself with good counsel and godly community. So it's not going to hurt your case. No. If you are saying, you know, I have this really awesome group of friends and I'm in this small group and I meet with my mentor once a month or whatever that looks like for you. For me, that is a sign of spiritual maturity and a desire to grow. Yeah. Spiritual like diligence yes. too. And like they, yeah. there's some thought put into it and some action taken. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something I'm, I'm very impressed by when I see that in I a agree. guy. And I would venture to say that a godly man is going to find the same thing attractive. I agree. In a woman who is pursuing those things. Yes. So we've talked about community as it relates to kind of like being outside of your relationship looking in. So even though it's only two people, your relationship is community as well. So let's talk about that more from the like within standpoint and what that looks like. And so, you know, we talked at the very beginning about sanctification in your relationship has an accountability portion and it has a responsibility portion. So let's talk about that accountability part for a minute. And I want to just kind of make the point that 
accountability with your significant other is going to look different and is going to vary in appropriateness levels at different stages of your relationship. The guy you've been dating for three weeks has no business knowing your long-standing, deep-seated, like, sin struggles. That's not an appropriate level of intimacy at that stage. I, I heard it said somewhere one time that intimacy within a relationship, and it doesn't mean just physical intimacy, but intimacy within a relationship deepens proportionate to the commitment level of that relationship. So when you've been dating a guy three weeks, there is zero commitment to that relationship, which means there should be zero real intimacy at that level. You're just getting to know someone. It's surface. It's just really getting started. At three months though, you're not going to be like marriage level commitment, but by then I'm sure you probably say, okay, well, he's my boyfriend. We're in a relationship. We're not just dating. And so there is more of a solid foundation there that is going to warrant more intimacy as far as what you're struggling with. And so I think this is such a nuanced thing. I can't tell you, okay, at three months, you can talk about these three topics if you struggle with this. And at six months, okay, now these are okay. That's where your outside community becomes so important because you can talk to, you know, a woman who's a stage ahead of you in life and say, hey, I don't know what I should tell him. Like, what do you think? And also be getting accountability from them at that point still too. Like that accountability will shift more towards this guy as you get closer to being married. So I can't give you a list of what you should and shouldn't talk about. Um, but the earlier it is in your dating relationship, the less accountability role he should have in your life, I think. Yeah, and I would say too, don't let that level of intimacy and accountability precede trust. Yes. Because trust needs to be established in order for this level of your relationship to be arrived at. And I think I personally struggle with, I trust people very easily, sometimes too easily. <laughs> and I'm aware of this, so I'm working yeah. on it. Not that I don't want to be trusting, but my desire to trust someone is not the same as trusting them. Yes. And so you've got to differentiate that in your head of, you know what? He is great. We've only been dating three weeks, but he's checking a lot of boxes and I like what I see so far. Does that mean I fully trust him enough to tell him all? No, I don't. Not really. I want to, yeah. but that's going to take time. Mm -hmm. And so you're not saying, oh, I don't trust him. It's just that's going to have to build. And as that builds, the level of accountability and the level of intimacy is going to increase. Yes. But don't let that come before you even really trust this guy. Yeah. And you know, not that you feel that you trust him, that you know, yes, logically that you trust him. Because what I see happen too often, unfortunately, is girls get real excited at the beginning and they're all gung ho and it's three or four weeks in. Like, oh my gosh, I can totally trust him with anything. It's like we've known each other for years. And yeah. You spill your guts. And then because, like Bethany said, there's no commitment there. Yep he may decide to up and leave or you get ghosted or he changes his mind or whatever. I'm not saying all guys are like this. I'm no. just saying I've seen this happen so much. And then you feel not only disappointed and heartbroken, but you feel like you've been left a little vulnerable because you just poured your heart out to this guy and then he just walked away. Yep. And if you can pace yourself, I'm not saying that won't happen. And if you tell him all this stuff and six months later, y'all still break up, you'll still feel that way. 
but you will have paced it a little in a little bit of a healthier yeah. fashion, I think, than just oh, here is everything about my <laughs> life and my struggles All my and my vulnerabilities. vulnerabilities. And I have known you for you know less time than it takes the food <laughs> in my fridge to go bad. Yeah, you know, I think like well, like you said, in six months you may break up anyway, and you'll still feel awful. But there is a very different pain that comes with that than if you were to heap regret on top of it because you wish you hadn't told him all of this stuff. And I think a lot of people go into relationships, a lot of girls especially, with the mindset of, I fully trust him until he gives me a reason not to, which really should be the opposite. You need to go into something like this with a reserved mentality that is tentatively trusting until you're really given a reason to fully trust. And I think that will save you some of that regret in the long run when you have bared your soul to someone who had no business seeing it. And that's, you know, we talk about, you hear people say, guard your heart. That is a big component of that, I think, in all things in their time. There is a fine line between guarding your heart and going in with walls up. Yes. And I'm not saying that's not a tricky thing to navigate because it totally is. And this is another way that outside community can be helpful. Yeah. And trying to figure out a sign because you do want to go in a little guarded, just protecting yourself out of common sense and having a realistic mentality of knowing this is how a relationship paces yeah. itself. But not going in and be like, I'm not telling him anything. He's not going to know anything. I don't want to go there. I don't want to... He's going to have to bust through this six foot <laughs> yeah. thick brick wall before he gets to me. And when you've been hurt, I get it. That's the temptation. And we've all been there. And we may be there currently. (laughs) I don't know. But try to, I don't really have any, here's four steps to making sure you walk that line well, which I probably should have before I made the point. But I get that there is a fine line of guarding your heart and having very thick, very high, practically impenetrable walls around you. Talk to your mentors and your small group and whoever you trust in your community outside of that to help you with that. But be mindful of that and going into it, I would say. Yeah. And that just kind of ties everything back together in that there are multiple aspects of community that we all want and that we all need. There's There needs to be the accountability and the responsibility that comes from the community you have with the guy that you're dating. And then there needs to be the sense of accountability and responsibility in the community that you have outside of the guy you're dating. And when you have both, you're setting yourself up really well. And like we said, eventually the goal is for you to establish patterns of being sanctified through these types of community now as you're dating and as you're preparing to date so that if you do get married, you just continue that pattern, but now it's with a spouse. Yeah, it's always better for that to be a continuation of a pattern instead of establishing a new one. Yes, and that's so. that was our yeah. whole goal in having this conversation yeah. and really teasing out sanctification so that we can kind of walk you through. You start now, and if you do, the better off you'll be. Yep. So that's all we have for you today, guys. Here we go. Thanks so much for joining us from Houston. I know. This is fun. It is fun. We will have lots more, I'm sure, to report when we record after this podcasting conference (laughs) is over. But we are very excited to 
learn more and hopefully improve things for you guys and maybe give you guys some more fun. I don't know. I don't even know what to expect from this. <laughs> don't worry. It'll still be us. Yes. It'll still be us. <laughs> there we you go. are just going to learn a lot and hopefully implement some fun new things. There we go. This podcast. So we will be back on Friday with another couch cast. But until then, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. Mm-hmm.